Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and so forth and so forth. New England's own Van Helsing with me all the way across the Atlantic Ocean in the cold and windy land of Wales is the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Stephen Parsons. Good afternoon. Hey, um, happy birthday. Thank you. So you've survived and dodged the Grim Reaper for another year. So they say. Yeah. Hey, why do we always start the show with the, and you will not believe? Are we implying that we tell lies on Ghost Chronicles International? No, it means the truth is so bizarre that they won't believe it. It's very simple. Ah. Well, we've got a great one for you tonight, Mr. Van Helsing. We do. Do. Well. Well, you are the great vampire slayer, are you not? <laughs> You're the one that calls yourself New England's own Van Helsing. Yes, but it's not necessarily because I slay vampires. It's because the Van Helsing and myself have a lot in common. Well, you might have a lot in common with our guest tonight, then. Um, mm-hmm. Andy Struthers, an old, an old acquaintance of mine. Um, really. Yeah, we we used to travel to um, many of the British air displays and air shows down the years when they used to hold such things, when we had an air force. You have a great air force. We used to have a great air force. You still do. Yeah, we used to have these aircraft that could land and take off vertically back you in have the a, 60s. You have a new carrier. <laughs> yeah, but we got no aeroplanes. Yeah, but you get a new carrier. That's all that matters. Two new carriers. Let's be, mm-hmm. let, let's be accurate about this. There are two. Mm-hmm. Queen Elizabeth and the Prince of Wales. Mm. Mm. They didn't name one Steve Parsons. I'm surprised. Not this time around, no. Hey, but they're quite big. I mean, they're as big as almost as big as one of your um, president class. Really? They finally figured it out how to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we didn't right. need. Um, yeah. We... Anyway, uh, yeah. Tonight's theme is very much. Well, I can't say it won't go down an aeroplane route at some point, uh, but it's very much a Dracula theme. Because Andy has written um, a book entitled Dracula Incarnate, Unearthing the Definitive Dracula. Um, Now, I haven't actually... (laughs) It's going to kill me because I haven't actually had a chance to fully complete reading the book. I've got about... uh, Hang on, which page is it falling open to currently? 169. Um, But a previous... uh, uh, This is the revised edition. I'm going to get Andy to tell us all about it and what inspired him to write it. And um, But it... it but we, uh, before it we go into that... Throw some light onto the count. Oh, excellent. We'll, we'll find out a little bit more in a minute. But I, okay. I wanted to get back. You said... Andrew, are you there? Yeah. Hey, how Good are afternoon. you? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, what's this with uh, airplanes and, and, and you and, and uh, Parsons? Oh, yeah, we used to do the coach trips years ago. Steve was the organiser, and um, I used to get the area guys together to fill up Steve's coaches, and um, we had a great time. It was a blast. 
when air shows were worth going to, it was it yeah. was a great time. Yeah. Them were the days. Them were yeah. the days. Yeah, there is, I mean, you guys, I mean, for six years you were attacked from the air by uh, uh, your friends across the pond, I mean, across the channel. Uh, and You mean those Europeans? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the ones. Yeah, we're not friends with them friends. anymore. Yeah, I know. Well, they used to be. Uh, so, and and your your landscape is actually scattered with remains of, of various types of planes and stuff. It's it's uh, virtually a tre- treasure trove of uh, archaeological stuff. It's so cool. Um, but I just happened to be catching something today, and I, I, I wanted to know if either one of you were familiar with it, and this is regard to an airplane. Uh, during uh, World War II, there was an American over there by the name of uh, Glenn Miller, and uh, he took off from the UK to go to France, and uh, his lost, they lost contact with him very quickly. And supposedly, they never found this plane, or they did find him. Do you know anything about this? It's quite a big story, isn't it, Andy? Um, and it's been been researched plentifully down the years. I think the consensus now is that um, friendly fire. <laughs> I think is the uh, because there was a, there was a very con, con, I mean oh, there were stories about him being abducted by aliens and all manner of stuff, as you can imagine. He was on a secret mission, uh, but the reality was that the uh, several years ago, and there was a documentary done on it. Uh, I can't remember all of the details, but essentially there was a, re- a Lancaster bomber returning back from a, a raid over Germany, and uh, it was still carrying because it couldn't drop them over the target due to weather. So the bomber unloaded its uh, haul of bombs into the English Channel. Um, at the precise moment, according to the um, bomb aimer, who recorded it in his notes and the navigator had recorded the position, where Glenn Miller's plane would have been some several thousand feet beneath this rain of bombs falling from from the Lancaster on its way home. Oh, wow. That's so they think that's kind of the most plausible and likely explanation as to what happened. Well, I, I don't know if you either one of you are aware of this, but uh, just earlier this year, on January 19th, uh, supposedly a fisherman found the remains of his plane. Did it have a bomb sticking out the top of it? Uh, not necessarily. That's uh, <laughs> that that's the interesting it. thing about it. Uh, you know, it's uh, Rick Golevsky, uh from the International Group of Historic uh, Aircraft Recovery and an English fisherman uh, provided the most solid in, 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 uh, of this wreckage. And, and I, you know, I, I, you guys haven't heard about it, though, huh? That was big news over here. I didn't. I don't know. I hadn't heard anything. Did you? No, I, I didn't pick up on anything, Steve, either. No, nothing show, at all. It didn't show up in our press. But, no. but know, anyways, so, then yeah, I but... will just post this. To, I don't want to talk yeah. about it if you guys aren't aware of it, but I will post this on our Facebook page anyways in case someone's curious about it. So, uh, okay, that was, you know, that was when I heard about the aircraft, and I just watched uh, In Search of t- today, the old 70s uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. thing with uh, Mr. Spock, and uh, the, the one I watched was Glenn Miller's plane, so I said, I could ask you, I know that you were... Certainly a- as a youngster, it was uh, it was in, you know, the Unexplained series, and there were several articles and books written about uh, the disappearance of, of Glenn Miller, uh, but there was a documentary it must have been now three or four years ago, and uh, they went into great detail about 
uh, all of the possible scenarios. But then this uh, a researcher had been studying it for a number of years, and he managed to tie in the uh, report from this returning bomber um, to the uh, what would have been uh, coincidental with the track of Glenn Miller's plane beneath, um, going out to. I think he was travelling to Paris, flying right. to. Um, yes. Ahead of the band. Yeah, to perform that night or something, the band were following. And there'd been a lot of umming and ahhing as to whether he should take off that day due to fog and right. low cloud and visibility. But he decided to go, and that was it was the same fog and low, uh, poor visibility that had caused this returning bomber to bring its bombs back. And, of course, they were not permitted to land carrying their ordnance because that would have presented a huge hazard to the aircraft and also the airfield. Uh, because, you know, I think it was there was a 12,000-pound uh, cookie bomb and there was all manner of other incendiaries. And so they, they followed the standard procedure, which was to uh, jettison the bombs. Okay. Uh, so anyway, so I'll put this article up there. You guys can make your thing out. So let's yep. let's go back to Aki, uh, to yep. Andrew, yep. Who, who found Dracula. Uh, well, I, should <laughs> let, I should let Andy tell you, because it's not found Dracula, but it, there's a very intriguing, which I'm not fully... Uh, qualified to talk about. Um, but from what I've read so far, uh, one of the reviewers actually said, and Andy mentions this in, in the introduction to this uh, revised edition, that it proper mashed mashed his head in, which is a, a colloquial English term for it was it was quite complex. But I'm I'm just getting to the the sort of reveal and it he presents a fascinating case. I'm going to let Andy tell us uh, a little more. I don't know how much he wants to give away in terms of, because otherwise it could, if it could be a spoiler for the book. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not worried about people knowing what's there, Steve. I'm, I'm um, glad for people to know. Well, in that case, uh, ball is in your court, Andrew. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, well, my journey began way back in 1973 um, with the film In Search of Dracula oh, yeah. by Professors McNally and Florescu, who had wrote the book the year before. Mm -hmm. um, I never believed, even at such an early age, because I would have only been maybe six years old, I never believed that Vlad the Impaler was the true inspiration for where this thing came from. Oh. It was way too powerful for that. So... Um, after years of watching the old, particularly the Hammer films in this country, Christopher Lee, Prince of Darkness, um, collected the Dracula Lives comics. Um, I've always kept an eye on the evolution of the Count, how this thing was developing with time, but I never, I never inside myself, I never truly believed that there was a link with Vlad. And what I found uh, proves that completely. Other people have proved that, that Vlad wasn't as important. Professor Elizabeth Miller from Canada, especially, um, has, has disproved any link between... He used the name Dracula because it means devil. And boy, was that a clue that we should have looked at. That was a right. big clue. Because somebody else in history, just several years before, in all the world's newspapers, was labelled as the devil. And his name was Jack the Ripper. Oh, wow. so you're suggesting there's a strong link between the two? I'm suggesting that Count Dracula is based 
on Jack the Ripper because Bram Stoker knew the man. Wow. Really? I did, didn't know that. He knew yeah. Jack the Ripper? He knew Jack the Ripper. You mean personally or just personally. the newspaper? No, personally. Oh, Personally. this is big. Absolutely. So you're not only identifying who Dracula is, but you're also identifying who Jack the Ripper is. Yep, it's one and the same. It's one and the same. But it's not as straightforward as that. The character of Dracula is part of a four-piece composite that actually features who Dracula was. Um, they live in a house called Carfax, which... Mm-hmm which they tell us means Catrafas. It doesn't. It means Carrefour, which is crossroads. And that's one of the things I picked up on with my research was lots of the things that Stoker tells us within his writings and within the novel are actually not correct. But that's not because he was sloppy in his work. They were pointers that we've missed all along. And there are dozens of Sorry, Andy, you say you go on to say that that Stoker, um, I, I suppose a bit like could it, could we liken him to a modern day Dan Brown? Because there's there's a code hidden within the novel, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, which which Stoker has deliberately put there in order to lead us to this information. Yeah, that we it's a codex. Dracula right. is a codex. Yeah, really? like the Exeter book, like the Exeter book that's held in Exeter Cathedral which also, lo and behold, it features in the novel Dracula. His solicitor really should have been based in London, where everything else was, mm-hmm. but he wasn't. The solicitor came from within the shadow of Exeter Cathedral, and that was Stoker's way of telling us that it came from the book. It's, it's a codex. Dracula mm-hmm. is the fifth codex. Now, people are going to be saying that... Uh... Lots of people have, have claimed that they know who the Ripper is, that lots of people have, have um, uh, researched the, the, uh, the historical Romanian, I think it was Romanian, Transylvanian um, ruler, prince, uh, Vlad, Vlad Draculia. Why haven't they found the, this, this link before? Because the earlier professors, the earlier scholars that looked at the notes in particular, always said there's nothing there pertaining to Jack the Ripper, um, apart from the two words that sit together, which are Gladstone and Immortaliable, which doesn't feature in the English language, by the way. That's another clue. There are lots of words that don't feature in the English language or in any language at all within his research papers. And what these words turn out to be are, uh, well, Victorians, the, the, the favourite pastime was anagrams. Bram Stoker was famous for three things. He was the business manager of Sir Henry Irving, the first actor to get a knighthood. Um, he was famous for the book Dracula, although it has to be said, not as famous as he is today. Right. But the third thing he was known for was his love of code. But nobody ever looked for the code. Right. And I've read into his uh, his personal life. I've I've read jokes that the man told and I figured he was so real. He could be so cheeky, not crude, just cheeky. And and way more normal than what his his veneer of elitism must have provided him with. 
due to his social company. Mm-hmm. He, he was very, very real. So I started to think of him in real terms. Um, I'll put it to you this way. When you look at his list of players, his, his, um, his, his, character, his initial character list, you're writing a book about a vampire called Dracula. Where would you expect the vampire to be? Of course, in Scandinavia. Well, you'd expect him to be at the top of the list, wouldn't you? Oh, right, right. Okay. He's, he's, at, the, he's at the top of the list. He should well, be. I mean, he, he's, the, he's the named character in the book, isn't he? I mean, the book. Yeah. But he isn't. Right. He's 11th down the list. But then the... some some would argue that Dracula as a novel isn't about Dracula and the vampire. It's 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 a sto- It's more of a love story. It's a romance um, based there's, around. There's a lot of sex and blood and death in there. That's right. I don't I mean, think it's... there's too much in the way of romance. Really, it might be seen I mean, as, a, as a... romantic, as in gothic romance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um... I understand that because that's the way we've been. That's the way we've been brought up to believe the story, uh-huh. but that's not what the story is. It's actually the story of Jack the Ripper from start to finish, from from the very day that Dracula comes ashore in England, mm-hmm. was Jack the Ripper's first kill. Yeah, and my, within... my problem, um, and, and I say I've I've started to reach to to get to that part of the book where you're where you're you know this this is starting to reveal itself. But yeah, my problem was uh, is that. Stoker buries this secret in the code because he knows yeah. the identity of the Ripper. Yeah. Why didn't he just go to the authorities and say, and think, you know, and finger the finger the man and say, this is the man who is Jack the Ripper. This is the man that you need to be. Good question, but I've because got you an answer. That, oh, good. I've got I'm you hoping, an answer. I'm hoping you would have. <laughs> Why would you go to the authorities? if it was the authorities that had closed the whole thing down. It was a national emergency that went all the way up to government. And it was Stoker himself that reveals that to me. Right. Because it was a is... national emergency. Well, I mean, there is that within uh, within Ripper, Ripperology, isn't there? That there is this um, problem as to why uh, parts of the investigation were seemingly mishandled or fudged or covered up or played around with by some quite senior figures who ought not really... I believe, Steve, that the last files were actually burned in 2012 after Scotland Yard officers themselves asked to see the evidence. They were refused and the files were burned. That was 2012. That's got to tell you something. What do you mean they were refused? Who, who had the files? I'm, I'm, I'm confused here. Scotland Yard still had the files, and then okay. the files were burned uh, due to lack of space, I think it was, which surely you can put files onto, um, hard, drive. onto your, your hard drives, whatever. There's, yeah, there's, there's, there is there's no, no such, excuse. No, there is no such thing as lack of space anymore, is there? Not when no. you've got Google, uh, who is you know still most of the way through scanning the entire collection of the world's published output yeah yeah yeah, but i mean you're absolutely right in that uh, respect that at the time of uh, the ripper investigation there was a lot of seeming incompetence and also um 
the possibility of cover-up, certainly, because there were some very senior figures within Scotland Yard and the government who oughtn't to have been involved, but appear to have their fingers in a pie, which, of course, led people to speculate about the royal connection and about connections to the Queen's physician. I don't uh, believe even the royals were family. involved at all, Steve. I don't, I've not found any evidence of the royals being involved in any way. Well, I mean, if you've deciphered the code, you should be able to... You would know the answer. You would know who the Ripper is, presumably. I do, yeah. There I we do. I know, well, I know how you... many he killed... I know when he started killing, when he stopped. I know who killed the other two girls. There were six girls killed altogether. And I know of the three babies that uh -huh. he, he sacrificed, we'll call it sacrifice, um, after he finished his last kill. Now, we, we here in America believe that Ripper came over here into New York City about the same time as... Uh, Houdini was in, in New York, and there's a lot of speculation uh, regarding that. I don't know if you did any research on that. I went further forward than that, Ron. Um, you're in Texas, am I right? No, New England. Oh, right. Oh, well, the, I the, the, yeah, the, well, no, the station's in Texas. I've got a crosswire somewhere. No, have, you ever heard of, have you ever heard of the um, Servant Girl Annihilator? Uh, doesn't ring a bell. Right. Well, he had... This was what was called the Christmas killing spree. Uh, between 1884 and 1885, they began at Christmas and they ended the following Christmas. There was eight people killed mm -hmm. um, and it finished with two white women. There were... I think there was five black girls killed and, and one black male who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Orange Washington, if my memory doesn't fail me. Um, Stoker tells us that this is the same man, the same man who was the servant girl annihilator in Texas in 84, 85, was the same man. He'd been, really? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, it's this why, is all new to me. Stoker's Dracula features a very cold um, Texan. In, in the novel, and if you read it that way, the way, the way that um, I've discovered, they're all aliases in, in the book Dracula. All the characters are actually real, but not under the names that he gives you. Every name is an anagram. It either means something or it tells you something in an anagram. They're all aliases. Stoker features as Van Helsing. It's himself. Yeah, I mean, Stoker uses some very peculiar names, doesn't he? I mean, they're yeah. almost they're, they're almost Dickens, uh, because yeah. Dickens was another one for choosing ridiculous surnames. But when you're writing a book, I mean, I, I, you yourself actually say this in Dracula Incarnate. When you write a book, you 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 want to engage with the the reader, yeah. And so you don't pick difficult names. Um, now, of course, Dickens did, but his were quite memorable, you know. Uh, but some of the, as you say, I think was it Seward and Steward. Now we would yeah. we would easily go with Steward, but Seward, we're just going to keep constantly disconnecting with that name, aren't we? It just yeah. doesn't flow. Yeah. And so this is part of your discovery, is it that the, yeah. these these names are actually yeah. anagrams, pseudonyms? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Shall we start with Van Helsing then? Uh huh. Well, yes, absolutely, because Ron Ron is Van Helsing. Van Helsing. 
is either having lens or lens having, whichever way you want it, um, is obviously bringing the ability to see. Uh -huh. John Seward was the Ripper himself. Mad Dr. Jack, who featured at the top of Stoker's list of players. He, he calls him the Doctor of the Madhouse, but in maybe three or four uh, different instances in his notes, he actually labels him as the Mad Doctor. And that's got to tell you something. He sits right at the top of the list. His name was John Seward. Stoker called him Jack, Mad Doctor Jack. But John Seward is an anagram. It's Jars, how end. And if you Google Jack the Ripper Jars, there's only one man comes up. Now, that's not really too surprising on its own. But once you realise who this man is, and you see that this man went back to America and said, I can't possibly be Jack the Ripper because I've dined at the Beefsteak Club which was run by Bram Stoker. Now there's the link. And Stoker actually tells us this in his notes, that this man has gone back and he's told you that he knows me. I'm telling you who he is. What does the Ripper, what does the Ripper community make of your revelations? They're starting to get excited about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, there's a lot of people... They don't like this man because they said he was too old, um, he was too tall, his moustache was too big, which is a crazy argument because it's known in history that, that he actually um, he actually shaved his moustache. His moustache was a lot, a lot less of what it was in the photographs. This is a clue as to who I'm talking about. I don't know whether you gentlemen are familiar with Francis Tumblety. Uh, yes, we, well, we've had we've had Richard Holland and uh, some other right. Ripper Ripperologists on on the show in the past. So yeah, well, um, according to Bram Stoker, Francis Tumblety was Jack the Ripper, and he was the servant girl annihilator. Really? And, yeah. What I found was it's the only reason he wrote Dracula was to get this story across, because he started killing on the seventh of August with a poor girl called Martha Tabram. Now, Tabram, um, she's, she's actually features in the novel Dracula, but, but it's done, how would I explain it? it it's, it's a fable. It's a parable. Uh -huh. he, he, because of the circumstances, it was a national emergency, remember. If this was going to stand out, Stoker could have gone to the gallows for it. He's a very, very compassionate man. What, what he did was um, so brave. To, to leave this, this massive message through time, because that's what... I was disappointed. Nobody was more disappointed than me when I found out what this thing was, because... Well, we'll, uh, have, to, we'll have to allay the disappointment uh, until, until after on. the ad. Hang OK. On. So, I, anyways... No uh, problem. No, uh, well, yeah. you just messed me up, Steve. Well, uh, because in seven seconds, we've got the tunes. Yeah, that's not a big deal. So anyways, uh, I, I do have a question to ask you about the, the servant murders, and we'll, we'll talk to yeah. him about that when we come back from the uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, break. You yeah, listen to Ghost to no, no problem. Yeah. You listen to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick right here on Tojanet and Pararex. We'll be right back. Welcome to Tojanet. Radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? 
then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. fading tones of the Van Helsing theme lead us back into part two of Ghost Chronicles International with our guest tonight Andrew Struthers whose new book Dracula Incarnate uh, is reveals some revelations about the famous novel Dracula written by Bram Stoker and our very own Van Helsing is straining at the bit to ask a question because all of a sudden the ad breaks aren't important. I, we had plenty of time. so What, seven know. seconds? It's not seven seconds. It's seven, reminding me that's all it was. No, it's a set. You'll learn about radio uh, uh, one of these days. Well, yeah, yeah, I might do, might not. Yeah, uh, might yeah I'm just looking. 15, ten, seven, tunes, and you're still talking yeah, when it says that. Of course. That's, I built the freaking tunes out, you dumbhead. Anyways, moving well, right along. It more it's not for you, then. it's for me. So you're take a hike. <laughs> Oh, 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 I can't wait to get you on the West Files. Oh, that's never happening. Anyway, we do have a guest. That's a radio show. Run properly. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, conjecture. And, of course, I, I'm reading this article, and uh, they talk about this uh, book that was written, uh, The Ripper from A to Z. Are you familiar with that? What's that? Sorry. Which book? Uh, I got to get back to where I was. I'm sorry about that. Uh, it's, it's where is it? Oh yeah, the complete history of Jack the Ripper, and there's another one, uh, the Ripper from A to Z, and they mention various people, and they do talk about the connection between this killer and Jack the Ripper. Yeah, uh, and. And I think about it when I think about uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. There, there is a uh, a cowboy in the movie um, it, as well. I don't know if that's what you're talking about, but there, there was a cowboy in the, the movie. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, mm. and, and he, he's always dark. He's cold. He doesn't mix with the others. He tells them that he hasn't lived his life as he should have done. He gives you a backstory. Of course, he gets killed, he gets killed in the, the movie, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, 
Do you know? It's all explained I, in my book. It's it's yeah. the character kind of strips himself down at the end, if you like, and oh, then right. finishes. Yeah, yeah. You he know, Renfield first. Sorry, Steve. All right, I was going to say when I was reading your book and this this talk about the cowboy that Ron just brought up. Then, yeah. Do you know? I'm I'm sitting here thinking I've. I've not heard this before, but it's all very familiar because we keep seeing threads of this, don't we? In the in the series Ripper Street, um, with the American doctor, who was also a cowboy, we have uh, when when they did the Houdini and Doyle um, TV, short TV series, uh, which featured the same actors as well um, as Ripper Street, um, in parts. They they also. Um, when they came to the Dracula and Stoker episode, they alluded to uh, more beyond the Dracula story, um, but they centred there their around Stoker. Is some of what you... I mean, is this discovery um, new, or has have other authors and researchers in the past sort of gone down, partially down the, down the road, but not made the, not made the right connections? People have looked for Dracula for over a hundred years, but nobody's ever got anywhere near to saying this is where it came from. But there have been links between Dracula and the Ripper before, haven't there, in in, Uh, in some writings and fiction? Yes, there has. Well, they're always going to be seen side by side because they're they're two of the biggest characters that was. Uh Um, Sherlock Holmes, Dracula... Are both in the yeah. Guinness Book of Records as being the most filmed characters that, that there uh-huh. was. And and they're pretty much neck and neck all the time as to who's yeah. the most popular. Uh-huh. Um, but they have appeared linked in fiction before, haven't they? Uh, yeah, but my point was I wasn't looking for the Ripper. I was looking for Dracula. And you accidentally... I've got no interest in Jack. <laughs> you found Jack, Jack to, to Dracula. That's interesting. Yeah, I was looking for, for the Count Dracula, and when I got to the grave and looked in... It was Francis Tumblety that was laying the grave. <laughs> um, I spoke with Stuart Evans found the Ripper um, 25 years ago now, I believe. Um, he found it in an old letter that this man's name, Francis Tumblety, was was top of the list for, for the suspects. They believed him um, a very likely suspect. Um, that was called the Little Child Letter. And... Um, what I found, it's Stoker says this was the man. He tells us over and over again in his notes. He even names him in the novel. When you, uh-huh. if, if Steve, by the time Steve gets to finish the book, you will do, won't you, Steve? You promise yeah, me. I, I, no, I, 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 I'm not very far off. It's just that uh, with my own book launch being a couple of weeks away, I yeah. keep getting sidetracked yeah, by lots I of stuff. I understand. I know. And we just had half term. I know how busy that is, Steve. Yeah. Um, by the time you get to the end of my book, you will see he names him over and over again. This is not some small link. He tells you all sorts about this man. He tells you the sayings that this man used to use, uh-huh. and he gives you the same sayings in the book. It's it's yeah. it's to the point of you can't deny it. It's undeniable. It's there. It's over and over again. You know, I'm are... disappointed it wasn't Maybrick. Because... I... I always thought it was John Williams from the Welsh National Library, to be honest. And when when I had Stoker's notes initially, and I thought I saw Mad Doctor Jack at the top of the page, I actually ordered two books oh, well. of John Williams, and they both stayed closed. I never even opened them because by the time the books arrived, 
Stoker had told me it was Francis Tumblety. Now, this isn't a name that I'd, I'd heard of him vaguely. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I don't have an interest in Jack, so why would I know any more than that? I've never had an interest, really. It's not my thing. Dracula was my thing. Mm-hmm. But um, what a dark thing to find when you're looking for something else totally. And Stuart Evans that found the Ripper initially, I've spoke to him about it. Stuart said, that's what you call serendipity. You know, uh, a very happy chance finding. He said, that's amazing. But obviously the way you find it, it's obscure. Of course it is. But that doesn't mean it isn't there. That no, of course. I mean, no, of course it doesn't. I say for me, just personally, because Maybrick was from Merseyside. Uh, he was an easy one to, and and of course the story of when the diary was revealed. Yeah. Um, and he's only over in Aintree Cemetery, so like yeah. naturally went over to have a look um, and delved into the story. And, and we'd done some um, ghost hunting for the BBC up at uh, St George's Hall. Yeah. Where of course the the cameo uh, murders and Florence Maybrick's trial took place. Yeah. Uh, so there was there was a kind of fascination with Maybrick, um, and I was always a bit disappointed when they found that the diaries were uh, likely to be forged. Although that's been contested in in recent years. Yeah. So I think uh, and personally, I think the inks were were later inks than yeah. what they should have been. Um, but I've not seen the evidence myself. But that, that to me, that's it's besides. I mean, he was backwards and forwards to America as well. And looking at, you, know, you pull up a picture of Maybrick, and he, he looks a bit like a cowboy. I've got to admit. Yeah. You know, he, he was very connected to the South, uh, the Southern U.S. states. So, it, is, is either of you guys familiar with Michael Harley, author from uh, Rochester, Buffalo? No. No, you never heard of Mike Harley. Well, he's really big in Ripper School at the minute. He's um, he would forgive me calling him a Tumblety guy, um, but some of the things that Mike's found on Tumblety are amazing, including the fact that um, he's shown a set of knives to a young man later on in his life, surgeon's knives, because this man was an assumed surgeon. He wasn't even a genuine doctor, but he called himself a doctor. Uh He was. He lied about everything. He lied about his name, his age, his family, his wealth, his friends. He lied about everything all his life. He, he was he was the right character. He was one of history's big bad bad boys. This this man was. He was involved in uh, political uh, infighting. He was part of the Irish problem. You know, with the the Fenians. He, he had all kinds of bad links here, there and everywhere. And what Mike found was this this, this guy, Tumblety, had showed his knives to, the, to, to this young man. And this is under sworn testimony, this young man made, made the statement af- after the Whitechapel murders. I believe it was after that the statement was made. It, it might have even been before. I'm not sure which, which way it was. But anyway, he makes the statement that um, all um, night walkers should be disemboweled. Tumblety's words whilst he's shown these knives to this young man. Um, that's quite heavy. That's that's a heavy thing to say. Um, he was a misogynist. He hated women. Um, but Mike's biggest reveal on Tumblety, this, this is the kicker, really, what we're finding. And there was a programme in Ireland over the last five years or so which says the character's basically gay. Now, Tumblety was gay, or, or up till recently, they've all believed he was gay. 
he wasn't gay as such. He was intersexed. He was, in the old term, he was a hermaphrodite. He was half and half. Jack was actually half Jill. And he was very angry about that as well, especially with the women who could have the men, who could take the men away from him because all he was left with was men. Uh-huh. He, he was essentially he was a woman who was living as a man. And he was angry as hell about it. Um, and hell hath no fury like a woman's skull, oh, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> this was, it's, it's, there's a lot more to tumble to than what any of us have ever considered. Yeah. You know, well, this revelation, and it is, it, it's, it, it's a blockbuster, isn't it? That Bram Stoker knew, Drac- uh, knew Jack the Ripper and yeah. veiled it inside the Dracula novel. And it's yeah. been, you know, it's been read by millions and millions of people, um, yeah. staring them, you know, full on in the face. Yeah. This is this this surely um, has the potential to reverberate, doesn't it? This this revelation. Well, you've got the definitive Dracula story now, surely, because you know what Dracula really is. You know what all the other characters are as well, who they are. Why they work together the way they do, why they bounce off each other the way they do. Everything's understood now. All the weird paragraphs, there's, there's full chapters in there which we don't understand. It's like, what, what the hell was he writing down? It's, it's, some of it's really gobbledygook. But once you know who the characters are, you understand everything. I read the novel now and I just sit smiling because it, it's, it's wonderful. It really because is. Because people, people always assume that Stoker was just on drugs when he wrote some of it. Um, it helped. I doubt. I doubt it very much. No. You know, Stoker... but I've seen, you know, when 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 confronted with, as you say, some of those chapters that you you scratching your head about, they yeah. they they've put it down to well, you know, he he took a lot of um, opium and he took a lot of uh, other things he shouldn't have done, and yeah. the result is this. But you yeah. you know, you have this brilliant um, literary work called Dracula as a result of it, so we can put up with that. But in fact, these were deliberate um, chapters. Everything was deliberate, yeah. Yeah, everything was deliberate. Absolutely everything. Even there's dating errors in there, which, well, they've always been classed as errors, but they're not. They point at other things. Sometimes he'll give you a word and he'll spell it three or four different ways. It's part of an anagram that has to fit with something else. Um, I uncover a lot of those. Is he hiding other secrets within, within his works? Is there other secrets? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The Dream of Red Hands was one of the first things he did before Dracula, and he wrote The Dream of Red Hands, which is keeping a murderer's secrets for him. Um, he wrote that right on the back of of, um, of, uh, of coming out of the Freemasons, would you believe? He was a Freemason. He came right out of the Freemasons straight after Jack the Ripper. He was really angry with what had happened because the Masons were involved right to the top. The same men that were running government and the Masons, um, well, they, they were all Masons. They were the, the same people, that the head of police, the, the head of the country, um, all the heads were all were all in the in the same club, and Stoker was one of them. And um, this man was an anti-Mason. He wasn't a Mason. The Freemasons, according to my research, didn't actually do anything wrong. What they did was they got rid of Jack. The only way they could have done. Um, he was escorted back to America through France, and the whole story was buried. And Stoker said, "Do you know what? You're not going to do that." 
and that's basically what Dracula is. It's the it's the story of the whole event from start to finish. And when Dracula vanishes in the drawing of a breath, right at the end of the book, mm-hmm. that happens within about six hours in real time of when Tumblety actually vanished from all the authorities. Now that is a bit of a coincidence. So your book has been out almost a year now. I think it came out March 18th last year. And what has been the response from, you know, people that uh, other Ripper authors, other Dracula authors, and, and uh, you know, what, what's their thoughts about it? And, and have you taken a lot of flack for it? I've presented it to the Stoker estate, which is Bram Stoker's great-grandnephew, Dacre Stoker, Mm-hmm. Um, but the the problem with that right now is politically it couldn't be more wrong, because his book Dracul, which is although he's admitted it's a fictional work, J D Barker and Dacre have put this work together where they go down a completely different line. It's a good story, but it's not what happened. So I land this with him and tell him it's a codex, and he's getting this, but he's. He's backed into a corner. What does he say? Because he's, he's, his own book's already been optioned for a film. Now, surely if he comes out and says, we've found Dracula, look who he is, that could well damage his own film somewhere down the line. So I totally understand him not wanting to say anything, but I've got to give the man credit. He's not come out to say anything silly either, like it's not there, because it's plainly there. My own doctor, who's a very common-sense man, has read this book from start to finish. He said it's uh, an immensely enjoyable read. And I said, I need to know, do you believe me? He said, I believe every word you've told me. He said, because I've got no reason not to. He said, by the time I got to the back of the book, he said, I know who Jack the Ripper is. I know what happened, and I know why I was never supposed to know. And that is, is wonderful words. It's lovely to hear. Right. And it's uh, somebody uh, as common sense as a doctor. That's that's good. Um, that's well, good recommendation. I was about to say in that typical British way that we do. Well, Shippen was a doctor as well, so it was Crippen. Um, <laughs> Thanks for your vocal confidence. <laughs> but I, 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 I can, I can, well, I can add uh, my own. I mean, because I'm, I'm not. I'm up to one, one sixty-nine. Um, and I found that because you you spent the first half of the book and and you say so building the foundation, yeah. Um, and I'm just starting to come to the the second half of the book in effect yeah. the reveal. Yeah. And I find I can't I can't shake the foundations. I I don't. There is normally when you're you're faced with. Um, the guy who who decoded the Da Vinci Code and all of these other you know great ideas that that people come up with and put down in books, normally you can see quite early on that you know the, the sand that the thing yeah. is built on. Yeah. But having got halfway through, having looked at the foundations, for me they seem solid foundations. So I yeah. I haven't found anything to to sort of apart from that one question that that I asked earlier, which was. Well, why the hell didn't Stoker just simply go and say, "Look, this is the man, Nick him"? Yeah, yeah. Because well, as as you read, Steve, you, there's a full section on the yeah. the level of involvement with the Freemasons, and that will answer that question for you. Stoker's right. hands were tied. Everybody's hands were tied right from the top. 
Mm-hmm. It, it was a government-sponsored cover-up. It had to be because of the way it had happened. It, was, know, it was an emergency. It was a national emergency. You know, we had that so, similar. We had that similar level of uh, accusations against the McCann case as well. Oh, this, I don't know. Well, this idea of why did these seemingly ordinary people get such high-level um, protection, and why yeah. were you know why were they afforded so much, so many deviancies from the normal practice of investigating? Yeah. Um, you know, there was there was clearly a high level involvement. In fact, there was again, like in like with the Ripper, there was people involved who ought never to have been involved. Yeah. Uh, you know, in an ordinary criminal uh, case, yeah. you've got to ask questions, haven't you? You have to start saying, well, what 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 were you doing? You know, why was the Home Secretary dabbling in it? Because Home yeah. Secretaries don't get it. The Home Secretary didn't get involved with the Moore's murders, for example. Yeah. So why get was... involved in one but it, not the exactly. other? Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. there are things there that aren't, that, you know, that aren't right. But then, you know, you have to guard yourself against the the sort of idea of uh, conspiracy theories, because yeah. conspiracy theories can be very seductive. Yeah. I uh, don't. I don't quote anything, Steve, unless it's there. Yeah. It's no, no, there in the novel. I can see the research is solid. Yeah. And it's referenced. And as I said, I can't find any problem with the foundations. You won't do. I don't make a single claim that I can't back up. There we are. Not a single claim. There we are. And there's 82,000 words. Now, I, I have a question. I, I, I saw a documentary on it regarding one of the messages that was written by Jack the Ripper, and it was erased by... Uh, one of the police officers is yeah. are you familiar Charles with that? Warren. Charles That's Warren, head of police at the Yeah, the writing on the wall. Yeah, right. Yeah. So how does that fit in with? Do you know that Stoker featured the writing on the wall in his novel? He did. He did. Yeah. The night of the double event when the two girls got killed on the same night, Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes. That's in the novel. Uh huh. The day after Dr. Tumblety was arrested, lo and behold, Dr. Seward, in the novel Dracula, gets arrested. He said, my, my, I'm free now. I'm free from my work. I can come with you now, if you wish, when they knock on his door. Um, everything's there, but we never saw it. The whole story is there, the writing on the wall, everything. I've deciphered the writing on the wall, but... I don't want to give that away because it doesn't mean anything unless you've read the rest of the book. But it's very right, easy. Right. It, no, it, it was a joke. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't it was, it was a joke from Jack yet. the Ripper directly to Charles Warren. And right. it was to do with I'll give you a clue. There was a what you have to look at is the capitalization in the actual message. The capital letters that were used were very odd. There's four T's. Now Dr. T had just made his fourth kill. The only other letters that were capitalised were J and B, which is Jarchin and Boas, which are the two Masonic pillars, which tell us of enjoying the good times as well as being able to deal with the bad. According to Masonic scripture, that's what those mean, J and B. The only other letter that was capitalised was W, which was for Charles Warren, which is why Charles Warren washed it off the wall. He could have covered it over, everybody said. He could have covered it over, he didn't do he got up out of his own bed in the middle of the morning and said, get that off that wall. And that's undeniable. 
Well, so I, I unfortunately yeah. I, I have not read this book, but I am dying. I'll to... send you one, no problem. I'll sign you one, send you one. It's a promise. Oh, that's awesome. Leave but, me your address uh, on Facebook. I'll post you one out tomorrow. With I will pleasure. do that, Andy, because it is it's intriguing as hell, and I you know there you already brought up things that I hadn't even thought about, and uh, I've got uh, I've got answers the that you never even had questions before. Yeah, just on the rip yeah. never mind the correlation between the two, which is, is more intriguing, uh, between Dracula's book, I mean, between Stoker's book and the Ripper. So this is, uh, I'm going to look at different things, uh, things differently after this this uh, show. Uh, that's well, one of, the things, one of the things that I did, um, and why it slowed things down a little bit, is uh, I've got to about, oh, I don't know, um, around the 80s, 70s or 80s, and I had to go back and fish out my copy of Dracula. Uh, my dog-eared co- my paperback copy of Dracula and sit and read that because yeah. I realised I hadn't read the, the actual novel for right. 30 years and I thought, well, I, I really need to equate myself with the Dracula story again rather than the Christopher Lee version of Dracula, yeah. which, yeah, which the is... The never sort of, been done, Steve. It's no, never been no. done. But I, I, one of the things I would urge anybody to do before reading Dracula Incarnate is to read Dracula by Bram Stoker. Yeah. Um, and order a set of notes as well, Steve. Yeah, but otherwise, and, and you're not you're not trusting me. Then you can see that what I state is actually there, and it's there just the way I state it. Yeah, I've got well, nothing to said, hide. It's all there. It was one of the things that occurred to me while I was started to pick up uh, Dracula Incarnate, and that yeah. was back in middle of January. Yeah. Um, was that uh, second half of January? Was that? Blimey, I can't remember the Dracula novel now. I can remember yeah. the Christopher Lee story and the bat fluff, you yeah. know, all that sort of um, hammer horror stuff. But I thought, I'd better go and read Dracula. <laughs> so I had to go. Sadly, and... sadly, Steve, what happens is with Dracula, it's got a brilliant beginning and it's got a really poor middle. It has. And then it's it speeds up again the at the end. And most it people leave it after, the, after, yeah, it is. You're right. It's clunky. It, it slows down after the Transylvania scenes, it's, um, and it's a shame, but it had to be that way because it's actually a true story, but it's written in the form of a, a fable, a parable. That's uh-huh. why there's wolves, that's why there's bats. He, Dracula comes to Whitby on the 7th of August. Get this. The 7th of August was the first Ripper kill. He turns up as a wolf. Lots of people have said it was a large black dog, but Van Helsing himself says it's a wolf. And he also says that Van Helsing is the only one who knows what he's talking about. So people need to kind of wake up where Dracula's concerned. Mm. He comes as a wolf, runs up the steps at Whitby to to St. Mary's Church. St. Mary's was the original name for Whitechapel. Yeah? On his way up the steps, he rips open a local dog. He rips the dog open, leaving it in its master's yard for all to see. That's a bit of a clue. The dog he rips open is a large half-bred mastiff. That's a clue. That's an anagram. A large half-bred mastiff gives us the words glyph, which means a fleeting, shocking glimpse. Martha bleeds afar. Now that makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. Stoker does that all the way through the book. But no. Yeah, I just have got to see more of this. This is so He does it all the way through the book. Unfortunately, uh, Andrew, we are out of time. That that bell yeah. was, just let us know we're pretty much done. So uh, 
Yeah, we'll but... do it again once you've read your copy, Ron. Okay. And when Steve now, comes to the end of it, we'll do it again. That's fine. If people want to get in touch with you or, or buy your book, where can they do that? Well, it's available all over the world via Amazon. Um, but if they want a signed one, hook up with me on Facebook. It's uh, Andy Struthers. Hook up with me on Facebook, and I'll get their address off them. And I'm quite happy to uh, – I'll send them a signed one for the same price. And they're changing hands for up to £40 on Amazon, so it's a nice little investment for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, no book that ever arrives here ever leaves this uh, place alive. No, that's good. That's, Goes that's, really, the that's nice. For, um, that's nice. Days there. But yeah. I would, I would also urge anybody who is going to settle down with uh, tea and a digestive biscuit uh, and read Dracula Incarnate, for God's sake, have a copy of Dracula by Bram Stoker to hand yeah. as well. Okay, so we do have to go. We want to thank you, Andrew, so much for being with the show uh, with us today and, and give us a look into Brian yeah. Stroker's Dracula and the Ripper as well. We so. didn't even do fighter jets. Yeah, that that, we'll, we'll do it next time, Steve. <laughs> there will be a next time. We'll sure, do it next time. Sure. sure. So till then, I guess. Thank you. Uh, thank you so time. much. Thank you yep. so much for your time. It's a pleasure. Yep. Pleasure. Good night. God, God bless everyone. Pleasure, Andy. Good night. Good night. God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good luck.